Good evening and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, Two Wonder, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Superspeed Golf. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Hey, good evening, folks, and thank you for coming back and joining me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, it's great to be back with you after an absolutely wonderful Buddy's Golf Trip last week. And shout out to my boys, Angelo Kane and Bob Andriano. This was our 20th year of getting together and hanging out and playing golf together. Hopefully the other member of our foursome, Joe Lajanusa, is going to be back with us next year. I also want to send out a huge shout out to the folks at the San Destin Resort over in beautiful Destin, Florida. Can't thank those folks enough for all the great things that they did. They've got three beautiful golf courses, the Lynx, Baytown Golf Club, and Raven Golf Club as well. All three are absolutely fantastic. The Lynx is right up there, right along the Chakawachi Bay. It's so beautiful right there you know when you when you're playing the links you know you're right there along the bay on a lot of the holes sometimes you've got some peninsula holes that you're playing where there are water on both sides absolutely stunning we couldn't have uh, had a better time we also when we were there the raven course which we also played was hosting a sunbelt conference golf tournament so that was exciting to see and the third course out there is baytown golf club absolutely beautiful all three courses were in great shape and it was a blast playing all of them look if you're looking for a great place to go stay play and enjoy yourself please folks go online to sandestingolf.com so you can see what i'm talking about great folks great golf courses great places to stay eat and drink right around the, the resort as well so had a great time can't thank those guys enough all right so on to tonight's show Again, I'm excited to share two wonderful guests with you this week. And my first guest is going to be PGA Tour Pro Cameron Beckman. Cameron won the individual NAIA National Championship when he was at Texas Lutheran University back in 1991. So far out on the PGA Tour, he's got three victories. We'll talk about those. He's got the PGA Tour champions coming right up around the corner. We'll talk about that. So we have a lot to get into tonight when Cameron joins me. He's going to be with me here in just a few minutes. Following him. I'm going to get a return visit from my good friend, Mitch Lawrence. And Mitch, as you guys all know, is the host of Talking Golf Getaways. He and his co-host, Darren Bunch, they uh, they do a great job. They recently did a great podcast on Sweeten's Cove, which is up in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. So uh, it's it's a wonderful hidden gem and a, and a great course. So looking forward to talking with Mitch about that and the, the conversation they had with the golf course architect, Rob Collins. Sweden Cove, again, it's a nine-hole course that was not only rated by Golf Week as one of the, the number one, I should say, golf course that you can play up in Tennessee, but also ranked in their top 50 that you can play across the country. So look forward to hearing that story. Plus, not long ago, Mitch had a very scary eight seconds when his heart start, suddenly stopped beating. Thank God his wife, Ava, was there when it happened or we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So there are some lessons and some warning signs that go along with that, which we'll learn from Mitch. So looking forward to having Mitch with me a little bit later on in this half hour. So a lot more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Before we get started, 
as I always do. And again, Mitch's show, Talking Golf Getaways. Always want to remind you about that because he and Darren do such a great job. And again, they talk about great places. It's all about golf travel. So great places to stay, play, and even eat and drink while you're there. You can stream their show over on GolfTripX.com. Also available on Audioboom, Stitcher, and Player.fm. So go there, check out their show, and again, learn about some of the great hidden gems we have to play around the country. His twin brother, Matthew, a great friend of the show as well, he has his own great golf show called Backspin Golf, which airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time on WLXG ESPN Radio, AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky. That show's so much fun to listen to because Matthew's fantastic, and so is Perry French, who is always there as his sidekick to start that show. Again, it's called Backspin Golf. You can stream it online at WLXG.com or do what I did, which is download the WLXG app. And folks, as you know, we're sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about what they've got coming up there this summer. It's a Pete Dye masterpiece, the Pete Dye course at French Lick Resort. Pete says its location on one of the highest points in Indiana makes it special. The long views, you can see many 20 and 30 miles from many of the fairways and many of the tees and greens. And, and you can see it in 360 degrees. Donald Ross's hill course put French Lick on the golf map more than 100 years ago. It's where Walter Hagen won the 1924 PGA Championship and the place where today's Symmetra Tour ladies battle each year. It's the ambience around it that makes the golf course. Combine our many resort amenities with legendary golf and you have a getaway like no other. French Lick Resort is the home of the Senior LPGA Championship, won in 2018 by World Golf Hall of Famer Laura Davies. Play the course's champions play. Plan your trip now, online at FrenchLick.com. Yeah, folks, go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place they have up there and to book your stay as well. I also want to tell you about our good friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan iron since maybe the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor and get a demo iron of either their Fort Worth PTX, new PTX Pro, or Edge irons. Go out on their range and, and compare it to whatever it is you have. Now, all Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. So no mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. And they're going to build those clubs to your specifications. And best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Again, check out their complete line of forged irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories online at BenHoganGolf.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to BobbyJones.com. They've got their summer collection out. The thoughtful selection is rooted in character and endurance. And the uh, signature details, colors, and fabrications remind you that you are well on the way to the game you were meant to play on the course and the course of life. Check out their summer collection online at bobbyjones.com. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at Two Under. I want to welcome our newest sponsor, Two Under Men's Performance Briefs, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, but that's another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effects, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. 
Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. Use code ONTHET20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. Hi, folks. Now joining me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is PGA Tour Pro Cameron Beckman. Let me give you a little more background on Cameron. He is from Minneapolis, Minnesota, played his college uh, college golf at Texas Lutheran University, where he won the NAIA National Championship in 1991, turned pro in 1993. He was a Lone Star Tour Player of the Year back in 1994, earned his first win on the PGA Tour at the Southern Farm Bureau Classic in 2001, Finishing that tournament 19 under par, winning by one stroke over Chad Campbell. He has two other wins on tour at the 2008 Prize.com Open in the 2010 Mayakoba Golf Classic. He's currently playing out on the Web.com Tour, and I'm very excited he is with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Cameron, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're really uh, you're jogging my memory at all those uh, good times I had. <laughs> well, that's good. That's what we're here to do. Let's talk about the if good you guys. About, you know, 1991 was a long time ago now, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, to some back of us the, it is, and some of, of us it's it's right around the corner, right? Uh, not that far behind, <laughs> if you really think about it. It's a blink of an yeah, eye a lot of times. It seems like time is slow, that's for sure. Cameron, I want to start by going back to the beginning for you. I always like to ask a first-time guest, you know, when you started playing the game of golf, and who was the first person to put a club in your hands? You know, it was actually my mother. She uh, she was a teacher, and we lived on a par three golf course, and uh, I spent uh, pretty much all summer with her uh, playing a you know it's called Burnhamwood, and it was just right in our neighborhood. And I you know I went out there every day and played. Uh, you know, started pretty young, and I uh, just played with her. And, and my father never was able to play. He had a he always had a little bit of back problems, so he'd walk along, and uh, that's how I got started playing golf. So, Cameron, how, how does a kid from Minneapolis, Minnesota, end up playing his college golf down at Texas Lutheran? Well, I got lucky, actually, because uh, the coach there at the time was from North Dakota, and he was uh, he was recruiting uh, good players from Minnesota and North Dakota and those areas. And I had gotten in – I had qualified for the U.S. Junior Amateur uh, the year – before I went to college and he had noticed that and, and offered me a half scholarship to go down there. And I, you know, it was like the best thing that ever happened to me looking back on it. I ended up, I met my wife there, uh, you know, just it completely kind of formed my whole life basically, uh, you know, having played the tour and, and it's one of the best decisions, I guess, is, uh, you could say, cause I was thinking about playing hockey in college also. So, uh, it was it was the best decision I've ever made, I guess you could say. And Cameron, talking about 1991, you win the individual NAIA national championship that year. What was it like for you coming down the stretch, knowing that you had an opportunity to win yourself a national championship? Yeah, I had uh, I'd won a couple, like quite a few tournaments that season, and and I was. Uh, for some reason, I just really wanted to play the tour, and I say that, of course, you know, everybody wants to play it, but uh, I was so focused and just, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in college practicing and working, and, and I figured if, you know, if I could win that tournament, that would be a huge step, and, and uh, I don't know, I was I, I was terribly focused. I don't, you know, it's been a long time ago, and I don't really remember much about it, to be honest with you, but um, I just really wanted to win. I mean, I just and I felt like 
you know, these were just stepping stones to making the tour someday. And so, uh, you know, I, I used to think like, I wanted to know if I was leading and see how my golf would hold up and, and things like that. That's, that's the type of stuff I was thinking about. And Karen, you know, I don't know if you remember or not, but, you know, when you think about having come down and had that experience of, of winning such a big tournament and becoming a national champion, did that prepare you for what it would be like for you coming down the stretch trying to win, whether it was on the web.com at the time, I'm sure it was the Nike.com tour, but trying to win there and ultimately winning on the PGA tour. Did that experience help prepare you for what that, what the nerves and all that would be like? Yeah, I think so. I, I, uh, I went on to right when I turned pro right after college and started playing and I played the Lone Star Tour in Texas and, and won a bunch of those tournaments. And then I won the Texas state open. Uh, but you know, it took me six years to get my card. I, I spent a ton of time, uh, playing the mini tours, the state opens. And, um, you know, I was playing a ton of tournaments and, and, you know, I came from, a, I was shooting pretty much 75 when I got to college, that would have been a good score for me. And, improved quickly as a freshman and then uh and you know i started winning right away in the in the mini tour ranks and uh you know pretty much that's all i'm thinking about doing and uh you know like i said it took me it took me six years to get my card and PGA to that tour. end yeah so to that end, i know you you made it through q school a number of times you mentioned six times to get yep. your card and you know and, and talking to several other players both on the pga and the lpga side They've talked about the opportunities and what it was like getting through Q school and many times talking about how it was more stressful and more difficult to get through Q school than it was to compete out on tour. Was that the same for you? What was it like trying to get through Q school for you? Yeah. So, uh, you know, second stage was the tougher one because if you didn't make it to the finals, you had nothing. But at least if you made it to the finals, you'd get some sort of web or uh, we'll call it web now web event or web tour type card but it took me a lot i mean i went through five i guess five of them before i got my card and i only got to the finals once in 97 but you know all those experiences and all that pressure just kept me you know i kept learning kept learning how to do it and then i was fortunate to actually get my card back in 99 2000 and 2001 so i did it three years in a row which you know, getting to play on the tour for three years in a row was, was huge because I got to play with the best players in the world. I learned so much, and then I ended up winning in 2001, which kind of jump-started me and got me cranking. But, um, yeah, there's, you know, just in order to really play tournament golf, you've got to play a, a bunch of them. you got to get in situations. you got to, you know, learn how to uh, – there's just so much to learn because your body does different things every day, and you you're, you know, you get nervous, you got to figure out how to deal with that. And so I was fortunate looking back that I had sponsors that stuck with me and then I ended up um, being able to play that much. There was many times through the years where I was thinking I was going to quit and looking back on it, my dad would never let me do it. So, you know, um, that it's, it was just a, you know, there's so many times where I could have changed my whole life basically but if I wouldn't have played golf. So it's, you know, it's a, uh, looking back, it's pretty, it's an interesting how it all, how it all went down to, you know, getting to play so many years on tour and things like that. And you mentioned dealing with the nerves. How, how did you eventually get comfortable in that situation and deal with the nervousness of coming down the stretch? 
You know, I worked with Deborah Graham. Uh, she's a psychologist who lives in San Antonio. Um, I spent a lot of time training my brain to really enjoy the tour school. So most people would dread that. And, you know, I, all those years I was trying to really uh, almost let, it, it, there's so much pressure on you and then let it go and enjoy the whole process of it, the challenge of it. You know, I spent so much time. It's, trying to figure out how to how to think right so that you can give yourself a chance you know it's, it's such a big deal we you know we weren't i was trying really hard or we were working on you know basically bringing it down a few notches so that i could deal with it and i just i played really good the three years in a row uh at all the tournaments and um i just and another thing is is i really wanted to play the tour and I spent a ton of time. I still work really hard at it. I'm getting ready for kind of a, a champion's tour. I'm, I'm still, I love to play the game. So all this came really easy for me because uh, just how much I love to play it. So, and how much I wanted to do it, I guess. So uh, the pressures, uh, you know, you get like tapping in on when I was winning tournaments, the tournaments I won, I had a three footer. Just to give you an example, my hands were shaking so bad at the prize. I hit the, my little tap in, but it wasn't three feet, it was two feet. I hit it off the heel and I thought I missed, I almost missed the ball. I was so nervous. So that's, that's the kind of nerves you're dealing with. And, uh, we all know that anybody who plays golf and, uh, it's fun. You, you got to learn to love it. And so <clears throat> that's basically the mindset I was using to be successful at the tour schools. Hey, so Cameron, I want to get into a little more detail about your first PGA Tour victory at the Southern Farm Bureau Classic back in 01. And, and you won that tournament and you're charging down the back nine. You birdied three of the final five holes. What was it like making that charge and then finally sealing your first PGA Tour win? Yeah, that's, uh, I had, uh, so that season I had just uh, played good somewhere. I can't remember where, but I had secured my card for the next year. So I was, it was the first time I'd really uh, been able to pretty much freewheel and play in golf tournaments without worrying about keeping my job. And I remember that Sunday, I was standing in the first tee. I was really relaxed. I felt confident about it. That golf course, I've had a ton of good finishes on since then, but I love the golf course. And it was just, you know, I made a ton of putts. I putted great. Um, I don't know. It, it was just uh, the frame of mind was so right. And, uh, of course, like I said, I, I wanted it so bad. I just, uh, it's hard to explain. I, I just, um, you know, I, I'm, I think I wanted a birdie 17 to take the one shot lead up. And then, uh, and then I just had to par 18, which is a par five. So it was, uh, and thankfully my wife was there. She had flown in that morning and, uh, we obviously had a good time after that, uh, that day or that night it was a good time. Are you a scoreboard watcher? Were you aware going on 18 that, you know, all you had to do was make par and you were going to win this tournament? Well, I was playing with Chad and he, he actually, we had to lay up because it was into the wind on 18 there at, uh, Annandale. And he had, he, he hit first and he spun it back off the green. So I was, I, I knew that, I mean, he's chipping. So I was pretty, you know, I, I wasn't positive, obviously, he could have still chipped it in, but I, I just hit it on the green and, and, you know, I had a 10 footer or something like that. I just had to two putt that to win after he missed his chip. But, um, so that was nice. Uh, 
what were you wondering? Say that again about uh, how it all went. I just was curious. Are, are you? Are yeah? Are you? Were you a scoreboard watcher? Did you know? Oh yeah, yeah. On eighteen, that, yeah. If I make par, I'm gonna win. Yeah, because I was playing with Chad. That's kind of what I was getting at. Is that you know when I knew nobody else was, you know, I had I had looked a couple moves before. I think he and I were up in front by a couple shots, and so um, you know I, I was pretty sure that it was just he and I and. Chad's a good friend of mine. I've always liked him. He's a good dude. And, and he had just come off the, I think he was playing, I think he had won three or the three, got the battlefield promotion from the, um, the web tour and was playing some tournaments late in the fall there. And, um, I'm pretty sure that's, that was like his first season on tour. And, uh, well, we've been good buddies ever since. Cameron, Sean McKeel has become a wonderful friend, you know, here on the show. And he just turned 50 back in January. That's not typically a birthday anybody looks forward to, but I know Sean was so that he could, and you mentioned going out on the champions tour. He has been looking forward to the opportunity to go out and play on that tour. You've got a little over nine months until you turn 50. Are you looking forward to 50 or no? I am. I've been, uh, I'm hoping, I, you know, a lot of people tell me to just be patient. It's kind of like starting your career over. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, this golf course we're playing at this web is 7,600 yards. I'd like to get down into the 7,600 instead of 7,600 or 7,000, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, the last five years have been tough. I haven't been playing much, uh, kind of. There's not a lot to play for as far as I, I enjoy trying to keep my card. I like trying to stay out there. I like all that stuff. So I'm sort of looking forward to getting a little, you know, kind of a rejuvenated type career where I can work towards something again. And it's been a great five years in that I've got to raise my kids and watch them grow up. So no complaints on that. But I am looking forward to, uh, you know, getting, com- you know, trying to be competitive out there and get back out there and play a lot. That's kind of what I'm looking forward to right now. Some of the other things, Cameron, as I was looking back over the course of your career at the 2010 Byron Nelson Championship, you tied the course record shooting 61 in the second round. And at one point during that round, you birdied five holes in a row, six out of seven as well. And you birdied 16 that conceivably, had you birdied 17 and 18, you could have shot 59. Were, were you aware, was was 59 on your mind coming down the stretch? Yeah, I think I birdied, let's say I birdied seven can't remember if that was 16 or I think it was seven. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I was, uh, definitely thinking about it. I, I, I remember thinking about trying to make the putt on the last hole for 60, but, um, you know, it was one of those days where all the putts were going in and, and you see it all the time now where, you know, guys have those days where they're just, uh, everything seems to be going right. And I had had finished, uh, in the morning, I think we had a rain delay. So I had played like maybe four or five holes in the morning before that round. And I felt good then and, and just took it right into the uh, 18 holes in the afternoon. And, and, uh, you know, it was obviously a lot of fun. And yeah, as I looked at the leaderboard, you ended up finishing fifth that week behind Jason day, but that was also the tournament where Jordan Spieth at age 16 tied for 16th. Did you get a chance to meet a young Jordan Spieth and uh, have any conversation with him at that tournament? You know, I did not get to meet him. In fact, I've never met him. He, uh, he's kind of came onto the tour after I've been off, and I've just never uh, never met him. I know he's a great kid, and, and I say kid, he's obviously much more than that. But 
just a, a good person, and I'd like to meet him. I just never have. Hey, Cameron, looking back at some of the other tournaments you played in, the 2000, you were there at the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach when Tiger essentially lapped the field by 15 strokes. What do you remember about being a part of that event? Oh, uh, yeah, that's uh, that was a great – I mean, that was uh, – you know, to play Pebble Beach uh, in the U.S. Open was really a neat thing. And, uh, of course, he really – he played awesome. And uh, it was fun. I, I got to play in his era. I mean, I played a lot of tournaments with him and played played with him. And uh, it's really good to see what he's doing right now. It's um, It's just so great for the game, and it's fun to watch, that's for sure. Cameron, when you look at life out on, you know, you're out on the web.com tour playing now, the PGA tour and looking obviously ahead to the champions tour, but how do the tours compare to now for when you first came out there with all the amenities and the equipment trucks and the fitness trailers and all of that sort of stuff? What was it like that when you first came up on tour or has the tour evolved a lot over the last, you know, go back to 01, 18 years or so? Yeah, it's evolved a ton. It's uh, there's always been the equipment stuff and, and the trailers and that, but now it's just uh, it's just the, the it's such a high. You can just see the uh, um, the club manufacturer. There's a lot of pressure on them to get players to use stuff. It's just a lot more. Uh, it's much more intense. You know, we got guys using uh, track bands and stuff like that. Nobody would ever even thought of that. All the working out. It's just a. It's a much more um, routine oriented type um, golf I would say now you know everybody's kind of into their own thing you know we we used to go out and have go out and have a beer or go out and have fun it just doesn't feel like that anymore um, it's 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 just I think because the money is you know we're playing for a, a lot of money and so they're taking it very seriously and uh, um, you know it's just a totally different environment and uh but you know the kids are they're young there's a lot i mean i I was 29 when i started and that was um you know i guess i would be considered old now compared to these kids but um it's just a lot more serious i mean i don't know that it's exactly serious but it's it's not the same it's it's i think it's because of the money and the it's just changed the tour and obviously you know the tour is doing great and it's a great great organization and it's you know, it's a great place to play. That's for sure. And um, it's been fun watching it evolve, to be honest with you. Cameron, just a couple of more before we let you go. And let's talk about the advancements in technology at, at, at 49. Are you hitting the ball the same distance or further than when you first came out on tour? How has technology changed your game? Yeah, I'm definitely hitting it. I, I hit it at least as far, if not further now. Um, you know, just doing the conditioning, the stretching. I do a lot of yoga and the Peloton and do all this. Um, I mean, I'm in much better shape than I was back then, even though I was young. I mean, I say that I was younger and obviously stronger, but just the technology and the balls don't curve as much. Um, you know, it's a, it's a totally different game. The balls are flying higher. You know, we, we were taught to keep the ball down. You know, you would never hit the ball straight up in the air because you wouldn't know where it was coming down. I watch these kids now, and it scares me how high they hit the ball. And, um, you know, the distances are just crazy also, obviously. Hitting a three, you know, any kind of 330 in the air, that would, you know, that's 
to me is just nuts. And obviously everybody knows that it's fun to watch. And I think the, the tour decided at some point they kind of got rid of the rough on the tour. You know, it's more fun for the player and the uh, audience to watch a guys hit it 350 yards, you know, and make birdies. And so that's one of the things I've noticed playing is that the rough is down. When I, there was tournaments when we play when we had to pitch out if you hit it the rough, you know, there was so much rough. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's coming a long way and it's, I think it's a great product and it's a lot of fun to watch. Have the advancements in technology impacted your game outside of just pure distance? What else are you seeing from a technology standpoint? You mentioned track, yeah, track man earlier. What else are you seeing that has changed the game? Oh, uh, you know, the, the, I grew up with a, with a, uh, hidden woods, you know, the, the little bitty, you know, the real woods. These kids, even my son, he answered a long ways just because he's never had to deal with the snap hooks or any of them, you know, that little head. So they get to bang on it right away, you know. And I think that's pretty much what's changed. That's why you're seeing so much power is because the club heads are so much easier to hit than, than way back when. And uh, that's one of the things that I think is, is a big deal. And the ball doesn't curve as much. I would say that's another part of it. And... um you know, even the putters are so much better. Uh, they're easier to putt with. Just everything's, uh, uh, you know, they just made the game easier. And and to me, they've made it more fun. So I, I'm all for it. I think it's great. I love watching the guys bang it. Um, you know, I don't have a problem with it at all. So as you mentioned a couple of times throughout the the course of the interview so far, you're you're playing out on the web.com tour. You're over in Nashville this week for the Nashville Open? That's it. Yep. Golf course is the National uh, Nashville Golf Club and or Golf and Athletic Club, I think it is. Really nice place. Cameron, to let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you online or on social media? Yeah, I'm a, you know, I do the Facebook stuff and a little bit of the Instagram, but um, I'm kind of old school. I'm not totally uh, really involved in all that stuff yet, but, um, you know, I'll be going to the tour school for uh, the, the uh, Champions Tour in the fall. And hopefully I'll have some success there and, and get right into it and start playing next year. But other than if I don't do that, I'll be doing Monday qualifiers and I'll get into some events. And um, that's about it. Uh, other than that, I'll be just uh, raising those kids at home, you know. Well, Cameron, it has been great having you as part of the show tonight. Thank you so much for taking time out of your evening over there in Nashville to come and join me. I hope you'll come back and do it again sometime. Love to keep track of all the great things you're doing. Oh, anytime. I enjoyed uh, talking to you, and thank you for having me out. You bet. Cameron, all the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. See you, Cameron. That is Cameron Beckman. And, again, he's over there in Nashville at the Nashville Open over on the Web.com Tour this weekend. Looking forward to getting him out on the Champions Tour. He's got about nine months until he turns 50, so uh, we'll look forward to catching up with him there. But in between now and then, please – Check him out on Facebook, Cameron Beckman, and uh, let's hope that uh, we get the privilege of having him back on the show again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Mitch Lawrence, I want to remind you about a few of our sponsors. And first, well, folks, TaylorMade Golf has done it again. The all-new TaylorMade M5 and M6 drivers have arrived, and what a story. They both feature speed-injected twist face created through a revolutionary manufacturing process where every single head, and I do mean 
every single head. You heard David Abelis talk about it here on the show a couple of months ago. Each head is injected and calibrated to the threshold of the legal limit. Basically, every head is made to be tour spicy. So speed for all of us. Now available. Check them out online at tailormadegolf.com. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is my good friend, Mitch Lawrence. You hear me mention his show, Talking Golf Getaways, every week at the top of the show because, A, I'm a huge Mitch Lawrence fan, and B, his show is just simply fantastic. His show marries golf and travel and, and uh, you know, all the great places out there that we get to go eat and drink, and they give you some really great, you know, expert advice about where to go around the country, about some of the hidden gems, which we're going to talk about tonight. The show is available as a podcast on Golf Trip X, and that's the letter X. So GolfTripX.com. You can also find it on Audio Boom, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player.fm, all the great places that you have out there to go find podcasts. I'm pretty sure you're going to find Mitch's show available on there as well. And beyond the show, you probably recognize his name and, and all the great things that he did as an actor on TV shows and in movies like Santa Barbara, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, One Tree Hill, Dawson's Creek, From the Earth to the Moon, my favorite of all time, In Living Color, not necessarily news in L.A. law. And rumor has it, Mitch is a great disc jockey as well, so I'm thrilled to have <laughs> this generation Wolfman Jack back with me here uh, next on uh, the tee. Good evening, Mitch. Your talents never cease to amaze me, my friend. Oh, you are good. You really are good. <laughs> Not just pulling the DJ thing out, but the Wolfman Jack reference. I mean, really, really. <laughs> if I didn't have a phone in one hand, I'd be applauding you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate you. So, Mr. Thanks, you know, oh, 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 all the many great things that you have going on. First of all, I want to start you know, about a story, you know, for what I consider to be the best golf picture in the history of golf pictures. And that's the one of you teeing off at El Campion, the course there at Mission Inn in Florida. Give us the behind the scenes, you know, what, what's behind that picture. And uh, for all of our listeners, go check it out on our website next on the T.net. But Mitch, talk about what's, uh, what that picture is all about. Well, uh, it did turn out to be you said it's your favorite, and I have to say it's probably mine also. Um, my podcast partner, Darren Bunch, and I went down to – we were at the PGA show, and we had made arrangements to go to Mission Inn. Uh, and for your listeners, if you haven't – I hadn't really heard of Mission Inn before we went. And what's stunning about that is that it's literally half an hour from Orlando, and this golf course – um, which was built many, many decades ago. Um, I, it was nowhere on my radar. And we had talked to the, the Drew Toth, his name is, and he's the, uh, one of the, you know, he's the head marketing guy at Mission Inn. And Darren and I drove over and you're out there just kind of driving around central Florida and you get to this place called Howie in the Hills, Florida, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And um, we got there, and it's kind of the whole complex was built. Uh, the accommodations and the restaurants and stuff were all built kind of, I would say, probably 40, 50 years ago. 
and they have a feel to them that's unlike anything you find in Orlando, certainly. Uh, the guy, Howie, the guy who bought the land originally, um, had been to Spain, and he loved Spain. So he designed all the accommodations and everything based on Spanish architecture. So it has a very different feel. And Darren and I were at the time doing our golf getaways portion of our careers together. Uh, I had a podcast that I was doing by myself. Darren was running the Golf Getaways website. And we were going to be filming content, uh, some video stuff at Mission Inn. So naturally, because as you know, I'm a hickory player and so is Darren. We went to El Campeon because it's got an incredible history. It's really a magnificent golf course. And unlike Central Florida and Orlando in particular, the thing that really distinguishes it is that the elevation change there is stunning. You kind of get an idea when you look at that picture that you're talking about, but there's uh, in spots 100 feet of elevation change, which is, you don't wow. even think you're in Florida. So we went out, as we often did, really early to get the best light. And the sun was coming up, and I was in my plus fours, and I was down on a lower tee box, and Darren was up at the top. And he just started snapping pictures from that spot. And that's really, that's where the picture came from. And I can't, uh, I absolutely can't recommend this place highly enough to your listeners. And as a matter of fact, uh, you talk about the GolfTripX.com website, our other partner, Ryan Ballingy who's responsible for Golf News Net, has a great piece up there about his first trip to Mission Inn. And it's really worth reading because he he captures what the place is all about and the history and the kind of quirkiness of the golf course and the greens complexes. And uh, it's a fantastic place. And that picture, yeah. that picture pretty much for me, every time I look at it, I just uh, I just smile. It was an amazing, amazing morning. Yeah, and it's a great picture. I love it. It's like I say, it's out on our website, and and um, boy, I tell you what, you know, I you you say you know you're not familiar with Howie in the Hills, and I spent 12 years living in the Orlando area, so I am familiar with with that part of. Yeah, so I am familiar with that area, and it is it is like uh, no other place in the state of Florida. To your point about the elevation changes, yeah, you when we think about Florida, we think about. I have not. I'm, I'm disappointed to say, but I tell you what, uh, after seeing that picture and hearing the story behind it, it is certainly on my list of places to go play. Looks great. Yeah, I, you'll love it. You'll love it. Mitch, your your recent Emergency 9 episode about Sweetens Cove, which is a beautiful nine-hole course in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, designed by Rob Collins, who was a guest with you. And even though it's only a nine-hole course, Golf Week ranked it the number one best course that you can play in the state of Tennessee, and I believe amongst the top in the country as well. But talk about the course and your conversation with Rob. Well, we were lucky to have Rob on. Darren had been over to Sweetens uh he went by himself, and I forget the number of holes he played in a day and a half, but it was stupid. It was pure Darren golf. He played something like 60 holes in a day and a half. Oh, my. Um, yeah. But he got to spend some time with Rob. I knew about Rob. I Obviously, I had known about Sweetens Cove. I have yet to go, but I'm going to have a chance in August, which we'll talk about. Um, but when, when Darren came back, he was raving about Rob and what an amazing guy he was. And so we had a chance to have him on. We did two podcasts with him. Uh, the first one is, I don't know, probably a little over an hour of 
of Rob, which is so worth it. We could have gone on for more hours. Uh, he is a just an incredible guy. He's one of these, I like to think of this new wave of kind of architects that are coming along in the game that we're all benefiting from. Uh, and Rob is right up there. And, you know, guys like, uh, I don't want to leave anybody out, but uh, Keith Rabb and Riley Johns and Keith Cutton. And there's there's a bunch of these guys that that really get it to me. They really get what golf should be. And they're trying to make it public and affordable and fun. That's the only way I can put it. And Rob's one of those guys. Uh, he's got a great background. He worked for Gary Player Design. And then he worked for an architect named Rick Robbins, who most people don't know. But if you Google Rick Robbins uh, and you look at his ridiculous resume worldwide, you get an idea of where Rob came from. And he took this place in, you know, South Pittsburgh outside of Chattanooga and pretty much single-handedly they had a chance. There was a golf course there, but just on a flat piece of ground and the owners didn't want to do anything with it. And they pretty much just gave it to Rob and said, if you can make something happen, go ahead. Uh, and he and his partner, Tad King, it's where King Collins golf comes from. The two of them started a number of years ago to put this together, and they literally built a nine-hole golf course that is, as you said, think about this statistic. Not only is it rated by Golf Week the number one public course in Tennessee, forget the 918, it's the number one public course in Tennessee. It was ranked by Golf Week number 50 on the top 100 modern courses you can play, ahead of places like Valhalla, Quail Hollow, uh, wow. you go down the bottom 50 list and it's ahead of some, you know, PGA tour stop venues, uh, sites of majors, and it's a nine hole golf course. So what all you really need to know is that, uh, the, the nine holes are, uh, incredibly interesting. Uh, the architecture is, uh, everything that I've read about it, and Darren kind of confirmed this, uh, that that when Augusta National was built, these holes are similar to a lot of them. They have a lot of different characteristics, too, but uh, there's parts of them that are really similar to what Alistair McKenzie was trying to do. And I think Rob's such a student of history, and he's such a great guy. If you listen to the two podcasts, the, the first one and then the Emergency Nine, you really get a feel for who this guy is. And Sweden is an extension of who he is. They don't have, I think my favorite part about Sweden's with this, these accolades, nobody really knew about it. Uh, it opened in, I think, 2014. And then there's a great writer named Dylan DeChere who did an article in the New York Times about Sweden's Cove called The Little Course That Could. Uh, and he wrote it in 2017. And once that article came out, things started exploding. Uh, and what I love about it is there's basically the nine holes and a shack. They call it the shed, which is the clubhouse. Uh, there's no indoor plumbing. There's an out, you know, just an outhouse out back. There's no amenities. This is literally just pure golf. And when we talked to Rob about it, uh, because the most exciting news for him, and I don't, I don't know if you saw this, but, uh, recently, uh, it was announced that there's now an investment group that has come in and they're putting money into Sweden's. And it's not just any investment group. There's, I think, five partners, but two of them are Peyton Manning and Andy Roddick. 
the tennis player. And when you right. say the name Peyton Manning in Tennessee, <laughs> right? <laughs> obviously, it, it kind of means something. So Rob was beside himself. He didn't really know there were people interested and had been talking, but he went to dinner one night and there was Peyton Manning and Andy Roddick. And he sat down and he said, what's going on? And uh, they pretty much said, we're your new partners. So they're wow. going to be putting some money into the place, but they're not doing anything to take away the feel of what they have there. He said, we're going to keep the shed. We may get some indoor plumbing. We may have a bathroom inside, <laughs> which is, it's so Rob, um, <laughs> but they're, they're kind of keeping it that way. They're not. They're not going to really change. Uh, they may add a few things to it. They're going to put so, you know a, a huge putting area, much like uh, Thistle do at Pinehurst, and um, you know just different. There's a lot of them that are springing up now, obviously, and uh, so they're going to put that in. They're going to. They're talking about doing some really cool lodging around the outside and but they're not making any changes they're not adding nine more holes or anything like that they may they may they may put a short course you know like a six hole or nine hole par three course and i said to him all right so you're telling me that you're going to put a short course at the short course <laughs> basically <laughs> right <laughs> so that's that's kind of the way they think and um and I just, like I said, Darren, absolutely, and anybody who's been there, if people go online, they can find a ton of content now about uh, Sweden's Cove. Um, but we're going to have great content because in August, we, uh, Rob came up with the idea of renting the golf course out, which not many places can do. So you can rent the golf course out. You can do this. If you get 10 of your friends, you say, okay, we're taking it for the day. You come up with the money, which is not a ton. And we did that. And on August 23rd and 24th, we ha we're having our Golf Trip X Sweden's Cove shootout. And we've taken the golf course for two days. Uh, we put it up about probably a month ago, and we've already got a bunch of people who signed up. Uh, I think we have about 10 spots left. And it's going to be two days of unlimited, crazy, fun, ridiculous golf. And it's literally like just having the place to yourself. So we're uh, we're really excited. We're going to get a lot of content out of it, so people learn more when we're there. If people have a chance to go before that, that obviously would be a big deal. So, so for our listeners who are now dying to be a part of this event that you guys are, are putting on, how can they go online and get more information about it? Uh, all they have to do is go to golftripx.com. That's the letter X, golftripx.com, and right there on the home page, there's a there's a link and you can sign up and I recommend doing it. We got some great prizes. I mean, there's going to be all kinds of stuff going on over those two days. One of the things about Sweden's that's fantastic. They, they recently added a second flag on the nine holes on each of the nine holes. So you can go out in the morning, play it to one, you know, the left pins say, and then go out after and play to the right pins. Uh, but they pretty much, when you have the course to yourself, Rob said, we can do whatever we want. We can play cross country. We can play from one tee to a different green, uh, which we'll be doing. We're going to have a lot of contests, and uh, there's obviously going to be some nighttime activities going on, which will be really fun. Wow. And these greens yeah. these greens are crazy. These greens are crazy, and we're going to have so much fun. We're going to have putting contests and 
all kinds of stuff. And uh, among the prizes, <clears throat> excuse me, Chris, among the prizes, uh, we have managed to get, you know that Darren and I are huge Mike Strands fans. Um, yes. And Mike Mike built Tobacco Road and a number of other great courses. And uh, Mark Stewart over at Tobacco Road has been kind enough. One of the prizes is going to be a for a foursome a stay at the Stewart Cabin by the 14th wow. Green at Tobacco Road and golf at Tobacco Road. And then we also have two nights and golf down here in Myrtle Beach at two other ridiculously great Strads courses, uh, Caledonia and True Blue. So those are those are prizes, and there'll be other ones too. But it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be more fun than you should be allowed to have over two days. <laughs> That's the only way I could say it. And for our listeners, just to be clear, go on GolfTripX.com. Go over to uh, the Play tab and down to the Golf Trip X events, and then you've got the opportunity to sign up and uh, get one of those last 10 spots. Mitch, I want to change gears just a little bit. And, and one of the other ways, one of the newer ways that people are getting introduced to the game of golf is through Top Golf. You've got locations there in Myrtle Beach. We have them here in Atlanta. You guys recently did an episode about Top Golf. Talk about what Top Golf is doing to help bring more people into the game. Well, you know, it's interesting because to me, and I've been, I had been to a couple of other Top Golf facilities in Charlotte and in Las Vegas. Um, and I enjoyed them. Um, I had fun. We had a couple of people. We had a good time. Uh, I hadn't really clicked into what it's really going to mean over time. Uh, and then they opened the one in Myrtle Beach just um, a month ago, probably. And I got to talk to the director of operations um, here in Myrtle Beach. And we were just talking, and when I was researching Top Golf and what it's doing, I realized this is—it's not a flash in the pan. It's not just some kind of quick thing that's just going to fade away. And when I was there in Myrtle Beach when they opened it, because it's a different kind of venue for Top Golf, and I think a key to why it's going to help people get into the game. Uh, most of the venues are 102 bays. Uh, in the bigger cities. And Myrtle Beach is one of the first ones that only has 72. And they really wanted to see, was it going to work? Is it enough? Or are we going to be crowded? Whatever. Uh, it's been jammed here ever since they opened. And when I went over, I've been over there three or four times. And it's not just, you know, a couple of golfers hitting balls at targets. It's families. It's young kids. It's It's young parents with babies in a stroller. Um, it's, it's literally, I was blown by away, blown away by the one year. Um, and I think they'll get their share of summertime traffic here in Myrtle Beach, which is also good because it's going to bring families into it. But in the high seasons of fall and the spring in Myrtle Beach, you know, they're going to be jammed at night when guys get off the golf course and they want to go and they want to sit and eat and drink and, and bet and, do what they do, I think it's going to be a huge hit. And they now have uh, Myrtle Beach was the 53rd Top Golf, uh, and they're now getting ready to expand into Mexico, into Canada, uh, Dubai. I mean, these guys aren't kidding around. And they've got a very forward thinking team. Uh, and I think, just personally, you know, I, I'll tell you a quick story, and this really clicked in when I went. Uh, Charlie Reimer, who I'm sure you're aware of, Golf Channel personality, former tour pro, Charlie right. Reimer now lives in Myrtle Beach. 
And we had a uh, the South Carolina ratings panel, of which I'm a member. We had an awards dinner. And Charlie, this was probably six weeks ago. Charlie was the speaker, the featured speaker. And he's fantastic, by the way. If you ever get a chance to just hang with Charlie and listen to him talk, he's he is off the charts a great guy and really, really has his has his mind right about golf. But he was talk somebody asked him a question about the state of the game. And all of us who are involved always talk about it. Is it growing? Is it not? Whatever. And Charlie said, you know, it, it tends to be flat. We lose players. We gain players. We lose. He said, but now we're at a critical point because the generation that's older, who have typically been a lot of golfers in this baby boomer age, and I'm including myself in this, um, they're going to be out of the game in 10 years. And Charlie being Charlie, he said, they're either going to be unable to swing a club or they'll be dead. Said. <laughs> said they're gonna, there just won't be Indeed. these guys anymore, these people. <laughs> so um, he said, but the, the thing that gives him hope, he said, we have to change the way we look at how golf will get to new players. And it's not just going to be on the golf course. Sure, you, people take their kids to the course, but it's kind of up in the air as to whether they'll click in. He said, we have to get used to the fact that it's going to come from new technology. And that includes video games that they can play on tablets, because that's a huge deal with kids. And he said, and technology of places like Topgolf. And when he said it at the time, it was before I went over to the new one here, it made sense to me. But when I was over there and I said, he's right. This is the way to get new people into the game. It doesn't mean everybody's going to go and become a golfer. But uh, I think the impact of it uh, and the fact that they can build these smaller ones now, these 72 bay ones, that's what really excited me because cities are one thing. But obviously, there's tons of places around the country that are not cities. And now that Topgolf understands if you have a certain segment of the population, they can go ahead and put these in there. And I think for places that have winter and you can't golf for four or five months, I mean, to me, it's it's almost an unlimited horizon. So I was I was really excited to have the one here in Myrtle Beach. Uh, they have unbelievable food. They do that differently than most places people go to. Um, they have great teams. They have the biggest friggin' TV I've ever seen in a sports bar. <laughs> it's it's thirty six feet by twenty seven feet. Wow. That's and crazy. you can break it up into 12 separate screens or keep it as one big screen. And I got to tell you, I went to watch a Duke, North Carolina game at the end of the season in there. And it's a big TV. But it's great. <laughs> it's a great place to hang and just go for a couple hours with your friends and your family and just have a good time. So I think it's really, really impressive. Mitch, one of the things that uh, you and I were talking about yesterday, and you were gracious enough to share a picture just a moment ago, not that long ago, I should say. And this weekend, I have the privilege of interviewing Brent uh, Dornford, who is the brand manager for Old Head Golf Links over in Ireland. And folks, if you want to see one of the most amazing pieces of property that you can imagine a golf course being built on, it's a peninsula that reaches about two miles out into the Atlantic Ocean. Go online to oldhead.com. Take a, take a look for yourself. And Mitch, when you and I were talking yesterday, you're not only familiar with Old Head, you played there. Talk about that. Well, I'm fortunate to have a great friend here in Myrtle Beach who I've done a lot of golf business with 
over the years named Paul Himmelsbach. And Paul and his wife, Judy, have a place in Bantry on the southwest coast of Ireland. And so my wife, Ava, and I have been over there four or five times. And um, one of the great things is that we just hop in a car. And as you know, if you're in Scotland or England or Ireland, you can hit a number of golf courses within a few days. And we had been to uh, near Paul's house. We had already played Waterville and Ballybunion and Killarney and Bantry Bay is right there. And he said, we're going to go out to Old Head and said, fine, great. He said, it'll blow your mind. And it did. Uh, and like you said, it's it's unlike anything you could ever imagine somebody putting a golf course on. Uh, it's 300 feet down to the ocean from this cliff peninsula. Uh, nine of the holes are actually on the edge of the cliff around the outside. Uh, and it's it's the kind of place that's so stunning that you have to kind of remind yourself to play golf because the views wow. are off the charts. Uh, the holes are fantastic. Uh, it's got a lighthouse. It's the history at, of Kinsale, which is where it is, is, you know, a thousand years old. So there's tons of history there. The Lusitania, that's where it was sunk during the First World War, which got the U.S. into the war. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But once you start playing golf, uh, and I had one of those days, like I told you, Chris, I had one of those stupid golf days where for some unknown reason at that particular point, the weather was uh, the guy in the pro shop said, you can come here for 100 years and not have a day like today. There was no wind, which is just silly. I mean, you're sticking out into the middle of the ocean. Uh, and there was no wind, and it was just a stunning day. And from the first hole, I made an unbelievable up and down over a bunker on the first hole for par. And I wound up coming to 18, um, and I was even. And I had shot an even par round once in my life before that. And I came to 18 even, and I said, okay, just keep playing. And I hit a great drive, and I had a second shot in that was about 160 yards uphill. And like I said, there was no wind, so I just figured, okay, and it's a huge green. And the pin was kind of in the back third. And my, at that point, I can't do it anymore, but at that point, I was hitting my five iron about 170. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to hit the five, and I'm going to get it up there on the green and go from there. And I hit a great shot, what I thought was a great shot, and it just came up short on the green, but it came up on the first third of the green. And then I three-putted for bogey. So, But the day itself, yeah, but the day itself was, uh, I, I told you I have the picture on the wall in my office. I look at it 50 times a day, and I'm as happy as I was when I was there every time I look at that picture. It's if if anybody's going over or making plans to go to Ireland, there's no shortage of unbelievable golf courses, obviously, there. But if you can get to Old Head, it'll be an experience that you literally you won't forget it. You'll just remember it for the rest of your life. Mitch, just a couple more before I let you go. But you wrote about a very scary eight seconds that happened to you a few months ago. Talk about what that was and uh, what you learned from the experience. Are you talking about that two-footer I missed? or No. Uh, <laughs> no. no. I'm one okay. that's talking about the one that almost had all of us <laughs> in, in, uh, in a world of hurt. Yeah. Um, well, I was just uh, I was walking the dog with my wife out in front of the house. We had just gone for a long walk with Louie, our dog, and she had the dog on a leash, and all of a sudden I got incredibly beyond dizzy 
kind of like when you stand up too fast and the blood rushes from your head. And I sat down on the ground and then I laid back down. Uh, got up after a little while, was very shaky, went in the house, happened again about 10 minutes later. And I said, let's go to the emergency room. And um, obviously, it's a much longer story. But while I was in the emergency room, my heart decided it wanted to take a break for eight seconds. Uh, and I opened my eyes. My wife was screaming. And I said, what are you screaming about? And she said, because your eyes rolled back in your head and you were speaking in tongues. And uh, wow. luckily, they had me yeah, they had me all wired up and the nurses came running in and they kind of said, OK. And the doc came in and he said, all right, you're uh, you're the way he put it was, he said, he said, you're old enough to remember the distributor cap on a car that fires signals to the spark plugs to tell them to go. And he said, we have one of those in our heart, right in the middle of our heart that sends the signal, the electric signals to the muscles of your heart to contract. He said, yours doesn't work anymore. He said, yours is bad. Um, so they put a pacemaker in and uh, it's set at 60 beats a minute. It'll never go below that because it was right before I kind of left for eight seconds. It was at 36 and then it went down and it's, it's really not supposed to be below 60 unless you're a marathon runner, which, as you know, I am. So I was kind of surprised. All <laughs> right. But I was really lucky. I was lucky I was home. I was lucky I wasn't driving my car. I was lucky on every front you can think of. And uh, it was a Sunday late afternoon. And by Monday late afternoon, I had a pacemaker. And by Tuesday, I was home. And uh, outside of not being able to raise my left arm for two months above my shoulder, Life went on, and I'm here talking to you. So all the other stuff we talk about pales in comparison to just being lucky to be here. Yes, yes, it does. And we are all very lucky that you are still here and we are having this conversation right now. So thank God for all of those things. Yeah. Every golfer will understand when I that after that episode, you know, when I realized I was going to be okay and they were going to take care of it um, before the operation or anything else, when I comforted my wife and I said, it's going to be fine, and I thought it was going to be fine, what do you think the next things I thought about were? Golf. Golf? It started running through my <laughs> mind that Darren and I had scheduled really? some podcasts, that did I have anything, did we have any trips coming up that I wouldn't be able to do? That, Yeah, and the oh reason my. I say it, it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't kind of a conscious weird thing. It was just I realized how big a part of my life for the last 40 years golf is and has been. And once everything was fine and my, like I said, once my wife was okay and I was okay, then I started going back to the thing other than my family that I love the most. And that's golf. Wow. So Mitch, tomorrow is national golf day. So I have to imagine yep. you're going to be out on a golf course somewhere. Where are you spending it? Uh, I have some work, some uh, business I have to take care of up in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is about 75 miles from me. And so this afternoon I made a call to a friend of mine who's the head pro at Wilmington Municipal Golf Course. If any of your listeners there in that area get over to Wilmington, Wilmington Municipal Golf Course is a Donald Ross course uh, that when I first played it in my acting days, I was doing a job in Wilmington. Somebody says, have you played the, the Ross course? And I said, what Ross course? And they said, Wilmington Muni. I said, get out of here. They said, no, really? So I went over. I think it cost $12. 
Wow. And it was it was in kind of rough shape, but it was Donald Ross all the way. And uh, John Fote, who's a great architect from the West Coast, who did Pumpkin Ridge and some other places, John Fote came in and did a restoration and a great job. So it is a an amazing uh, municipal golf course right in the heart of Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, still ridiculously cheap. I think they charge $30 to play it. And it's a it's a fantastic golf course. So I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do my business about 1 o'clock. And then I'm going to go over and see my friend Dave. And I will be communing with Donald Ross with my hickories for National Golf Day. Mitch, remind our listeners again how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing. Listen to your podcast and uh, read all the articles. You're not, you, you, you and I were talking yesterday. You don't, you don't write as often as you used to, uh, but what you do have out there is fantastic stuff. Talk about how we can listen and read. Well, I appreciate you saying it. Well, we are lucky to have. Uh, again, golftripx.com is the website, and we are incredibly lucky to have not only kind of our own writers, but some outside writers doing work. But I have to mention Eric Hart, who's one of the most well-traveled golf writers I've ever come across, who's got unbelievable content, hidden gems in Ireland. Uh, he's doing a series on the best short courses in the United States. All 50 states are represented. It's a mind-boggling piece of work. He's got a series on Alabama golf uh, that's a multi-part series on things to do and places to stay and what to eat and where to go in Alabama. Uh, Ryan Ballinger, as I mentioned, is a great writer. And Darren Bunch has some great stuff up there. So if you go to golftripx.com is the website, uh, social media. It's at Golf Trip Experts on Twitter and Instagram. So you How can find you? us on all those places. How about me? <laughs> um, How about you? I'm me. Uh, I'm uh, me. <laughs> I'm at Mitch Lawrence. It's L-A-U-R-A-N-C-E on Twitter and Instagram, too. So I, I so appreciate you, Chris. I have to I tell you this every time we get to talk, but I so appreciate you and everything you do for all of us who love the game and how giving you are to your guests. And uh, you're a gem, my friend. And I have to tell you, my brother says the same thing. He said to say hello. As he does every Sunday morning at eight oh three, which and he really does, and and I and I appreciate that very much about Matthew, and and, and you know I I listen to he and Perry religiously every Sunday morning at eight oh three a.m. It is my eight oh three a.m. tea time. I love you guys. You're you're fantastic. I can't thank you enough for the generosity you have for coming back on the show as frequently as you do, Mitch. You're a, a you you say I'm a gem. I think you're a gem, and I can't uh, I can't tell you how much you mean to me and and uh, how much I enjoy all the all the things that you do. You're uh, you're absolutely fantastic, my friend. Well, right back at you. You're a gem. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Let's, Take let's care, get Mitch. out I'll and actually play some Ava. golf soon. How about if we yes, play some golf I mean, soon? I get- Let's end with that. Yes, that would. I know. I'd love. I'd love to have you here, and I think we both need to go out and check out the new uh, Bobby Jones golf course here in Atlanta. Oh, I'm and, dying. I am dying to get over there. Yeah, uh, I am as well. So we we need to go do that. And Chattanooga's right. not that far. So okay, man. You know, my friend. Looking forward to it. I'll talk to you. Thanks, Chris. All right. See you, Mitch. See you, Mitch. Bye. That's the great Mitch Lawrence. Folks, and I'm telling you, go out onto their site again, Golf Trip X, the letter X as an experts.com, and check it out. And uh, if you're interested in that Sweden's Cove shootout, you can link right to it from their site. Again, if you go onto uh, golftripx.com and 
click on the play tab and then they've got golf trip x events and then there's some links to uh to more information about what they've got coming up there in august and like i say the the podcast is great talking golf getaways the articles are fantastic so a lot of really great content there for you and and mitch and darren are putting out new podcasts all the time and i really enjoyed listening to uh, both parts of that uh, interview with Rob Collins and Sweden's Cove. It was really great stuff. And Rob is, as uh, Mitch was saying, really enjoyable to listen to, as, of course, Mitch and Darren are as well. But the uh, the stories that Rob told and uh, the history and all the things that they did there at Sweden's Cove, Sweden's Cove absolutely spectacular stuff. So look forward to catching up with uh, Mitch again uh, real soon. And hopefully, like I said, getting to tee it up with him. That would be the the highlight of the year. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks go out to Cameron Beckman and Mitch Lawrence for joining me tonight. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page over on Facebook, Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. You can give me a comment, a like, whatever you have. If you've got a question for a guest that we've had here on the show in the past or one that we have coming up, and you can see our guest schedule on our website, nextonthetee.net, please let me know there as well. Glad to get that question answered for you folks this show uh, airs every tuesday night from uh you know starting at 8 8 p.m eastern time you, you can uh, check out our website like i say next on the t.net to see who some of our past guests have been and links to uh some of our you know previous episodes and we also link back over to our site on podbean because we've got all our archived episodes available for you there as well so you can check out any of our you know over 200 you know we're getting close to actually 300 episodes available and we uh if you've got the uh the the 60 to 90 minutes to listen to a full episode we've got them for you there we also try to cut up our our uh, our guest segment so if you only have 15 or 20 minutes we have those segments available for you to listen to over there as well folks can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to the show tonight we really appreciate the fact that you are making this uh next on the tee a part of your golfing content until next week hit them straight my friends on the tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love from people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf.